Okay, good evening everybody. Welcome back to uh, the supernatural, the big questions in Jewish philosophy. We are now doing with uh, supernatural part two, black magic and speaking to the dead, the occult. Um, next week we will uh, finish off this particular topic of the supernatural. We'll be talking about angels and demons um, and the like. So hopefully it should be something quite fascinating. So just so we can all be on the same page of what we're talking about this evening. So black magic is something that um, I don't think we see that much of it in our, uh, in, in, in our day-to-day lives. But it's going to be talking about um, things that are <coughs> magic in general. So black magic doesn't necessarily need to be negative, but we're going to talk about magic in general. Um, so uh, David Copperfield and the like. Um, beyond that, we're going to be talking about things like um, different uh, palm reading, uh, soothsaying, uh, witch doctors and the like. So that is to predict the future and to tell you uh, interesting uh, information about you or your family or your future. And speaking to the dead, I suppose, is quite self-explanatory. So just from the, from the outset, let's just say all of these things are prohibited. Even magic, you know, uh, even magic that we know is a sleight of hand becomes a very questionable behavior in Judaism. But it all comes out of a verse, um, out of uh, last week's parasha, in fact, where it says as follows, It's when you arrive in the land, that Hashem gives you. Do not learn to do of the behaviors, those disgusting behaviors of the people, the inhabitants there. Okay, so here are the cases. They should not be amongst you. So this was a pagan practice called Molech, where what would happen is they would actually take their children and either throw them into the fire or pass them through the fire. But it was a pagan ritual that either sacrificed their children or did something with their children. So it is seen, we mentioned a number of times in the Torah, so you can't do that. And you can't be a Kosem, a Kosem in modern Hebrew, is a magician. You can't be a Kosem Ksamin, someone who does uh, magic. So now all of these terms are going to be quite difficult to translate. And Rashi is going to shortly explain to us what they are. But uh, needless to say from the translation that we have over here. A soothsayer, a diviner, a sorcerer. So (coughs) a soothsayer, I think, is someone who tells the future. And Mo'onein will tell the future. A menachesh are going to be divine as people who do incantations to protect you. A mechashef is a, is a witch. A machshefa is a witch. So all of these things. And all these other individuals who consult with ghosts and spirits or inquire of the dead. So all of these things are prohibitions. Now, the reason when the Torah comes and prohibits something... It's usually as a result of the fact that this thing exists. Meaning uh, the Torah doesn't say, you know, you should not uh, be a person who stands on their head for their entire life because no one does that. But if there are people who are magicians or soothsayers or diviners or sorcerers, it's a sign that these sort of people existed around the land of Israel. And the, the question that comes is that do not get involved with them. I don't want you, says Hashem, I don't want you involved with all these pagan practices. Stay away from them um, and don't do them. And then come, will come the question. So now Rashi is going to explain to us exactly what all these, uh, these, these characters are. So he says, number one, 
One that uses divination. divination. So what is a diviner? One is takes his stick in his hand and says, as though we're consulting it, shall I go or shall I not go? So you would go to a diviner and say to them, um, I've got this great business opportunity. Should I do it? Shouldn't do it? And the diviner would do something and it would, it would say you should do it or you should not do it. So what is a soothsayer? Rabbi Akiva said, these are people who assign times. So it says a mo'onain. So it says from the word ona. So ona is a time. So it says, this is an auspicious time. Oh, so I want to invest. So he says, this is an individual who says, oh, you should invest in September. September is going to be a good time for you. Okay. And others want to say that it's someone who is, uh, who holds your eyes under control using a different root of the word. So this is somebody who does optical illusions. So it would be, this is your David Copperfield of the like. The David Copperfield, I don't think anybody thinks, including himself, that he's actually doing magic. Um, they are sleight of hand or illusions. They're able to do these things. So that is uh, number two. The sorcerer uh, is one who draws conclusions from the fact that bread fell from his mouth or that a deer crossed his path or that a stick fell from his hand. So this is much more in the realm of superstition. So even though it's called a sorcerer over here, we wouldn't call that a sorcerer. But this is somebody who's superstitious and going to people who say, this is a sign. If something happened, it is a sign from beyond that you should do or should not do. So bread from his mouth, you saw a deer. As I was walking, I saw a deer and that is the sign that you should not do this. A charm is one who charms snakes or scorpions or other creatures into one spot. And a consult of the spirits is a kind of sorcery brought about by a spirit whose name is Pitom. Speaks in the charmer's armpit, having raised corpse beneath his armpit. So this is so the consult of the spirit is the individual who um, is able to bring up the dead, speak to spirits, speak to demons, exorcists, and all of these sort of like. So these things are all out. Now, while these things out, so the Torah doesn't say explicitly other than these are to'evot, these are abominations that you should refrain from at all times. But exactly why are they abominations? So you can understand about, you know, potential child sacrifice, why that would be an abomination. But with regards to the other ones, it's not entirely clear why this would be an abomination. So one option is to say that they were all somehow connected to paganism. So the problem with them wasn't per se that, uh, you know, to do a few uh, tricks here and there. That in of itself is not the issue. But the reality is, is that these are people who are, who are using pagan rituals and since we've got this huge prohibition of all forms of idolatry and the like so this is paganism and you should stay away from it so that's that's seemingly the 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 straightforward reason um but one thing that comes clear throughout rashi is the fact that this is in fact um something that exists you have these people who um consult with the dead or they consult with spirits they're people who can charm animals. They're people who can draw conclusions. And the assumption is not the fact that these people are, you know, are, are, are charlatans, but rather these people are, are legitimate, but nevertheless it's prohibited. So, for example, no one says that pork uh, doesn't taste good, and that's why you shouldn't eat it. Say, it might taste fantastic, but nevertheless it's a Torah prohibition to eat it. Similarly, thing, that no one's saying that... Um, that to go to a, a, a magician, a soothsayer, a, a, a sorcerer, or someone who can uh, do a seance, a clairvoyant, that somehow these things do not exist. But it seems from Rashi that what we're saying is that you can contact the dead, just you're not allowed to contact the dead. Now, 
I just want to uh, give me two secs. What I would like to do is share with you. I, I, I don't usually do this, but I, I think it is quite a quite an entertaining piece. So if you just give me two secs, I'm gonna. All right, I'm gonna end the the share for a second and then reshare my screen. All right, and this is a clip from a movie that is, oh, from an old movie called uh, Leap of Faith with Steve Martin. And I just want to show you um, something that is shown in the evangelical world because we're going to see this in the line of the rumba. I think we get the, we get the gist, and the reason the reason I've, I've brought that is because if if you haven't figured it out yet, based on last week, that is how the Rumbum is going to view all of this. He's going to view this as one big scam, and all of it is 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 just going to be charlatanry and trickery. Now, before we 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 go into the Rumbum, I think there is there is a story in the Torah, or a story in the Tanakh. That um, is is going to be really like so. If you talk about magic and sorcerers and stuff, we don't see much of it happen. But there is one very significant incident that takes place in the book of Shmuel. So before we read it, I just want to you know let me just tell you the the outside story. So story goes as follows: King David has already been uh, so to speak anointed as the the king in waiting. King Saul is the king of Israel. And King David is the king in waiting. <clears throat> and what's going to happen is that in this period of time, that King Saul has already been rejected of being the king. And he's been told by Samuel the prophet that he is no longer going to be the king and his, and his son will not take over from him. Saul goes through terrible, terrible anxiety and paranoia, consistently pursuing David, trying to kill King David, well, King da at the time David. And it is just a, a real cat and mouse uh, uh, chase that happens throughout the book of uh, Shmuel. At some point, Shmuel dies, and Shaul, King Saul, is completely thrown, and he doesn't really know what to do with himself. He is completely lost. He's paranoid. Um, he's uh, literally certifiable. And throughout the rabbinic commentaries, they talk about him in a way that is, you you can see the 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 uh, the mental illness that he is struggling with through this. So he, he doesn't know what to do. And what he decides is what he needs to do is go seek out somebody who can consult 
with Samuel, the now deceased prophet. Now, Samuel died and Israel came to the mountain. Now, at, just before, at this period of time, one of the, say, positive things that Saul had instituted in his kingdom was that it was prohibited to call up people from the dead. Since we see that it is a Torah prohibition to do so, so he banished all the... Or the, or the sorcerers or the witches that there are no almost no more left in the country. Now Saul wanted to go speak to Samuel. So what you got to do? He's just banned. He's, you know, there's a you know on pain of death. Don't uh, no one's allowed to have a séance. And he wants to speak to. Him. So Saul goes in disguise, and that's where our story takes you. It's the book of Samuel, chap, uh, Samuel one, chapter twenty-eight. It says, it says so Saul inquired of the Lord, but the Lord did not answer him. So Shmuel tried to speak. Uh, so, Shaul tried to speak through prophets and the like to get a message from Hashem just to give him some guidance and nothing. So Saul said to his courtiers, find me the woman who consults ghosts so that I can inquire through her. And his courtiers told him there was a woman in Endor, which I think is a Star Wars reference if I'm not mistaken, who consulted ghosts. So Saul disguised himself, put on different clothes and set out with two men. They came to a woman at night and said, please divine for me, uh, divine for me by a ghost bring up me for me the one that I shall name to you and the woman asked who shall I bring up for you and he says bring up Samuel for me I mean it's the most bizarre story that you have King Saul transgressing a Torah prohibition to speak to the spirit of the deceased Shmuel so it's a crazy story so um, so um so she says, so the woman said to, said to Saul, I see a divine being coming up from the earth. So, Shaul, so Saul says back, so what does he look like? And it's an old man coming up, she said, and he's wrapped in a robe. Then Saul knew that it was Samuel, and he bowed low in homage with his face to the ground. Samuel said to Saul, why have you disturbed me and brought me up? And Saul answered, I am in great trouble. The Philistines are attacking me and God has turned away from me. He no longer answers me, either by prophets or in dreams. So I've called you to tell me what am I to do? So the story, so for the purpose of, is, is, it seems quite, you know, it happens. This idea that, that you are able to call up the dead. We have an ex explicit story that talks about the fact that Shmuel was brought up from the dead by the, the witch. In fact, this, the parts that I left out a little bit is that when it first starts happening, she realizes that this is in fact Saul. When Saul comes to her, it's, it's, it's quite like a bit of a clandestine operation. When Saul comes to her over here and says, please divine and bring up a ghost for me, the one I shall name you. So I put a few dots here. So what happens, she says, Listen, I can't. Don't you know that uh, anybody who uh, who calls up the dead, you know, and gets caught is going to be put to death. It's uh, that's what King Saul has done. So he says, like, don't worry. And then she realizes, oh, you are King Saul. So there's this whole story where she's clearly a woman of enormous amount of uh, power to have communication with the with the afterlife. So you read a story like that, and you say. Okay, it makes sense in the context of what we read from Rashi in Sefer Devarim. Because Rashi said, these things are Torah prohibitions. Now, they work. All these things work, but they're not allowed. Now, just parenthetically, um, understand that um, the whole concept of idolatry, which is something that for, for, for us seems quite foreign. But understand that in the ancient world, the lust for idolatry was the same as the lust for sexual, uh, for sexual uh, promiscuity. 
that is the way that not only is it mentioned throughout the Talmud and throughout the, the Bible that you know that, that people lusted for this paganism, that it gave people something that is the only comparison we have is to licentiousness. And that was the pool. And the reason there was a pool is because people got something out of it. Now, for me to bow down to an idol, to go offer a sacrifice to Zeus or whatever the case might be, doesn't seem like something that is enticing and doesn't seem like something that would have any efficacy whatsoever, let alone a, a spiritual upliftment. But considering that every country, every, every place on the planet had some form of paganism, and it, you have to move beyond the fact that people were scared, they didn't know what would happen, so they just offered sacrifices that they hoped, that would hope the gods would uh, come and protect them. It was more to it, that there was a real something to it, that a person had a pagan experience and it felt good. It was something very positive. Now, to use a modern example, it says like, it's like drugs. So, so if a person takes LSD or some other hallucinogen, he takes it and says, you know, why, why are you telling me it's bad? It feels good. I have a wonderful experience. I feel very spiritual. I feel connected to the whole of, uh, the, whole of the, the universe when I take these drugs. So how can it be a bad thing? Because the Torah comes and says, you, one cannot judge the experience as the value. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, Excuse me. One cannot say that because I'm having a positive experience, therefore the thing is a positive thing. It's the equivalent of saying because bacon tastes good, it must therefore be okay to eat. Because drugs feel good, they must be okay to take. Just because you, so this is like within Judaism, when people come and say, I had a very spiritual experience, somehow justifying that spirituality is always good. No, paganism was spiritual. It was a spiritual experience. But spiritual experiences that are not um, circumscribed within the realm of halakha are prohibited. And here's a perfect example. So, so whereas Rashi's coming along and says, if someone comes to you and says, I can speak to the dead, should I? So Rashi will say, no, you shouldn't. Yes, I'm sure he can speak to the dead. Or at least it's possible that this person can speak to the dead. But nevertheless, it's Torah prohibition. The Rambam is going to come and say, it's not possible. The problem is that, um, how do you understand the story? The story seems quite explicit that, the, um, that, the, that this woman was able to bring up Shmuel from the dead. Now, one of the things, so, let's, so I'm going to bring this a commentary. This is a commentary from David Kimchi, otherwise known as the Radak. He is one of the more known commentaries on the Tanakh. And he quotes... I'm sorry, I don't have English for you. But he quotes the... Excuse me, let me get my pen. The Rav, the Chacham, the Rambam. Agado. So he says, Says, there are some who want to suggest, this is the Rambam now, that Shmuel did not speak to Shaul. The dead spirit of Shmuel did not come and speak to Shaul, to Saul. God forbid you should suggest that, show, that, that Samuel came out of the grave. And, and, and he didn't speak. The woman did everything. Was through, done through deceit. This woman was a charlatan. She was like Steve Martin. She, she had a show. She had a whole... 
system set up, this whole shenanigans that she had set up to fool and to be able to build a business. Because as soon as she gets there, she's like, oh, it's, it's, it's King Saul. So obviously she, she realized, says the Rambam, she, he, she realized when she saw him that, that it was King Saul. So she's playing in this whole thing. So she knew it was King Saul. How did she know it was King Saul? Well, maybe she recognized him. But says the Rambam, she knew it was King Saul. And now he says something quite phenomenal. You should know, these uh, necromancers, these people who communicate with the dead, let me tell you how their practice works. So they bring a guy along with them, and he sort of hides, he's like a ventriloquist, and he hides behind, and he throws his voice, and he speaks, he speaks with a soft whisper, but he does it in such a way that you can't see him, but he throws his voice. And when Saul came to ask her, to come speak with her about him, and she saw that he was so astounded, and she knew because he had spoken that the next day she was, he was going to war. So it was known that there's a war coming and everyone was anxious about this. And she knew a bit of the history of what Saul's been going through in his life, that he'd killed um, the people of the city of of of, uh, of the, or the Kohanim. Uh, so what she said, all right, what do we know about Saul? So just as Steve Martin had his, uh, his um, executive there who had done research on what was going on, as soon as it was Saul, he says, all right, what do we know about Saul? All right, we know Saul killed uh, the Kohanim of the city. We know they're going out to battle. We know there's a lot of anxiousness in the thing. So you know what you're going to say. So my little uh, side kick here on the side, what you're going to do, just mention about the war. Mention the kinds of things that you think Samuel will say. I will say, oh, I see the spirit. It doesn't say anywhere in the story that King, that King Saul saw Samuel. He just that she described to him what she saw. And, he, and Saul said, oh, you must be. She says, I see this old man coming with long hair. And Saul says, oh, it must be, it must be Samuel. She played him. That's the way the Rambam is understanding it. And says, And all the vision that, that, that Shaul heard was, he was thinking what, what, uh, what Samuel said. He believed it. Hook, line, and sinker. He bought this whole sham. So it says, Ram. So it says, and I would like to take one step forward. For all those people who think that Hashem allowed Samuel the prophet to come back from the dead, to tell King Saul what was going to happen. See, if Hashem really wanted King Saul to know what was going to happen, he could have come to him in a, Shmuel could have come to him in a dream. What, you really think Hashem is going to bring him up from the dead? Or Daurim, or could have come through one of the prophets in the temple. Or through uh, No, Hashem wants that the message should get to Shaul through some crazy woman on a mountain somewhere. That's what happens. So, 
So he says, one thing uh, that she's claiming it. Fine, but Shaul, he was the king of Israel. So how did he fall for it? He says, it's just crazy to believe that Shaul Bell. He doesn't explain exactly why Shaul bought it, but one would just suggest that the guy was in such a bad place that he would have bought anything. And dare I say that that is so often the case with people that seek out these sort of individuals is that they are so desperate for answers that you know they've lost somebody tragically and they want to know that that person on the other side is okay and that they forgive them or that they that they're not in pain or that they are and and all these people what they are doing is just fooling you and they are charging you money and even if they're not charging you money they are building an an, an empire building a a business out of preying on the weaknesses of others who are desperate to have answers for things that there are no answers. So you see like Rambam like rips into Rashi. Doesn't mention him. Rambam came after Rashi and doesn't mention him by name. And there's no question that the Rambam is in the minority on these particular issues. Like we saw last week with regards to astrology, where we said that Rashi believes that it's definitely a thing of astrology. And we saw in the Talmud, it seems pretty straightforward that there's the one who's unique here it's not Rashi. Rashi is explaining the Torah as it says it. You know, it's what you call Kipshuto. He's explaining exactly what it says. It's the Rambam who's coming and saying, it's all metaphor. Now, that is consistent with the Rambam. And we'll see this more next week I mean, to, with the concept of angels and demons. Where the Rashi is going to say, well, so where the Rambam is going to say, there's no such thing as angel. Well, there's no such thing as angels communicating with people. And the Rambam is now going to have to explain that throughout the Torah where we see angels communicating with people, you know, how do you deal with that? So let's finish off with the Rambam over here, where he says this now. That's, that is in the area where we've talked about now, has been in the narrative. But here is in the narrative and the stories of the Chumash. But now he's going to talk about in the laws of idolatry, and it's going back to the original prohibitions that we read at the beginning, about all the different things. He says, So all these things... The, the seances, the diviners, the sorcerers, the magicians, the sleights of hands, all of things. Kulam divrei sheker. Are false. The chazav and spurious. And it fooled all the pagans of the yesteryear. Why did it fool them? Because the people who were doing them were using it as a tool to manipulate their followers in order to follow them. And it is not appropriate that Israelites, that are wise individuals, that get involved with this nonsense. And they shouldn't think for a second there's any benefit or justification for whatsoever. So when the Torah says, that there's, there should be no... Um, there's no enchantment with Jacob and divination with Israel. There should be no divination. Why? Because it's rubbish. Stay away from it. Ki agoyim ha'ele. Let me get my pen. Sorry. Ki agoyim ha'ele. Because these nations. All these people who do all this divining and magic. Yishmuhu v'atem lokei. And you shouldn't do like they do. Kol ha'ma'amin bedvarim ha'elu. Anybody who believes in this stuff, and thinks for a second that any of it is true, and there's a wisdom to it, 
says, Avala Torah Asra Atam, but what can I do? The Torah prohibits it. Einam Ela so this is Rashi. This is listen what he's saying about Rashi. Anyone who says it is legitimate, it works, you can do these things. But what can I do? The Torah Avala Torah Asaratam. What can I do? The Torah said it's prohibited. The same as Torah says pork is prohibited. Says these things are prohibited. Anyone who believes that is a sachel, is a fool. And lacks wisdom. Sorry, I don't mean to be uh, say this, but it is a way of women and children. And that's the Rambam's way of saying people who lacked sophisticated thinking, which I suppose, fair enough, in the days of the Rambam, um, women and children lacked the, well, children lacked the ability and women lacked the opportunity. But one or another, women were illiterate in that time. So he says that simple people buy the stuff. That their, their knowledge is not, has not been, um, uh, I wouldn't say, p- uh, completed. But wise individuals and those of pure wi- with pure wisdom can see through obvious clarity that all these things that the Torah prohibited clearly have no wisdom whatsoever. Ela tohu heaven. Rather, there are emptiness. Let me just clear all this. There are emptiness and, uh, and worthlessness. There are only fools and people lacking wisdom. And they leave, they abandon all the truthful um, ways of assessing Hashem because of it. And that's why the Torah um, demands from us, Tamim Tiyeh, you should be perfect. Or the word Tamim, this is in last week's Pasha. You should be um, whole, you should be naive, you should be complete with Hashem. You should not seek out these things. So where the Rambam and Rashi agree was that the, the Torah is clear that these things are prohibited. The d- place where they disagree is, is why they were prohibited. Rashi is very clear that the, that the prohibition does not have to do with the fact that these, these uh, things are, don't work, but rather the fact that um, this is not our way. Hashem, if Hashem wanted us to know the future, He would come to us through prophecy and the like and tell us the future. If Hashem wanted us to communicate to the dead, He would have found, uh, He would create an, a, a way. But Hashem doesn't want us to communicate with the dead. Hashem doesn't want to, us to know the future other than perhaps through prophets. So we have to live in a sort of tamim sort of way, which is live with the unknown, live with that which is in front of us, um, and just accept the fact that we cannot have any certainty in the things that are uncertain. (coughs) The Rambam, on the other hand, takes the opposite approach, which says, no, the reason that you you can never know what's going to be in the future, you cannot communicate with the dead. All of those things are not possible. And the reason the Torah prohibits it is because the Torah prohibits foolishness. And the Torah doesn't want us to get involved with what the nations did. The nations, they were simple-minded individuals. They were primitive. They, were, they, they didn't have sophisticated uh, moral, uh, moral guidance and the like. And that's why they did what they did. But we're not. We're wise. We've got the Torah. And so this idea that you're going to go to soothsayers and, and necromancers and the like is, is not befitting for us. Does it work? No, it doesn't work. It's all rubbish. And so 
the Rambam, so anytime you see it, so for example, if you see um, when Moses goes to, down to Egypt and he does the first, he puts his, throws his staff down and turns into a snake and says the Egyptians did the same. So Rashi's going to say, the Egyptians did the same. Rambam's going to say, the Egyptians made it look like they were doing the same. And they did all the other plagues. Whatever the case might be, wherever there's going to be a non-divine miracle, the Rambam is always going to say, never happened. And Rashi is going to say, it happened through black magic. So there's a supernatural part two. Really uh, two uh, divergent opinions. Next week, we're actually not going to do Rashi. Last week, we're Rashi. This week, we're Rashi. Next week, we are not going to be doing Rashi. And uh, it's going to be the Rambam versus somebody else. But you'll have to come next week to see that. All right, everybody. Thank you very much. If anyone has any questions, you can uh, unmute. Okay. So, Lindsay says, how does this fit in with children's magicians coming to Purim events and birthday parties? Okay. So, the question on, 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 let's call it illusion, um, visual illusion, sleight of hand, which is what children's magic is. So, I, had a, I have a good friend who um, used to do children's parties, and he went to go ask Maroshi Shiva, um, is it permissible for me to do that magic at the parties? And the Roshi Shiva said, only if you show them how you do the trick. Because uh, otherwise you are transgressing this prohibition. The question is for non-Jews to do it. Is there a prohibition for non-Jews to do magic? And so the answer is no. There is no prohibition. Especially in a way that I'm just benefiting from the entertainment. I think it's fair to say that no one thinks this is magic. And it's not being sold. And it's done as purely entertainment. But for a Jew to do becomes very questionable. I mean I know... Um, I learned from this. I'll, I'll show you my. I've got like one piece of. Uh, this is my son magic. So you've got the coin, and you take the coin, and, you're, and it's gone. Yeah. So it's so. You, so I, every time I show that, I have to show that I drop. I drop the coin as I grab it. I drop the coin. And does it? So that's how you know halachically you got to do it that way. Otherwise, you know, someone would think that uh, as lame a trick as that. Is, is magic. The irony, I suppose, for me, is my late uncle, my mother's brother, was a professional magician. He was a, a very well-known magician in the, in the, in the UK. Uh, never, never passed anything down to me, though. All right. Any other questions? Please feel free to unmute yourself if you have any other questions. Going, going, and gone. All right, everybody. Well, thank you. Is that one more question? Was that the same question? Yeah, that's it. All right, everybody. Thank you very much. Lovely to see you all. Look forward to seeing you again next week. You should have a wonderful evening. Let's off.